the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. March 19, 2021. God bless Judge Lawrence Silberman of the Washington, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, the second most highly regarded or important federal court in America. For years, those who've taken the the Constitution seriously have viewed a 1964 Supreme Court decision, New York Times v. Sullivan, a bad decision, a bad thing. It protects the press, the media, from libel and slander, from defamation, lawsuits, from and by public figures. It created a new standard out of whole cloth, a, a, a new legal standard, and has made it exceedingly difficult for someone like, say, Donald Trump or Mike Pence or Sarah Palin, to take just three examples, It makes it extraordinarily difficult for them to sue newspapers or the media when they are lied about. When Donald Trump voiced changing that New York Times v. Sullivan precedent, the media added it to the list of things, to the tote board of things he was using to declare a war on the media, against the media. In a case before the circuit in D.C. decided this morning, Judge Silverman unloaded in a dissent. One praise this dissent someday becomes a majority sentiment. It can happen, and someone just needed to break the glass with the hammer and pull the lever. Judge Silberman did, and I should very much like to read broadly from his dissent, if I may. He wrote, There can be no doubt that the New York Times case has increased the power of the media. Although the institutional press, it could be argued, needed that protection to cover the civil rights movement once upon a time, The power is now abused. In light of today's very different challenges, I doubt the court would invent the same rule if given the chance to do so again. As the case has subsequently been interpreted, it allows the press to cast false aspersions on public figures with near impunity. The increased power of the press is so dangerous today because we are very close to one-party control of these institutions. Our court was once concerned about the institutional consolidation of the press leading to a bland and homogenous marketplace of ideas. It turns out that ideological consolidation of the press, helped along by economic consolidation, is the far greater threat. As the case has subsequently been interpreted the New York Times v. Sullivan case, it has led to a lesser America. Although the bias against the Republican Party, not just controversial individuals, is rather shocking today, it is not new. It is a long-term secular trend going back at least to the 1970s. Two of the three most influential papers, at least historically, the New York Times and the Washington Post, are virtually Democratic Party broadsheets. And the news section of the Wall Street Journal leans in the same direction. The orientation of these three papers is followed by the Associated Press and most large 
and most large papers across the country, such as the Los Angeles Times, Miami Herald, and Boston Globe. Nearly all television, network, and cable is a Democratic Party trumpet. Even the government-supported National Public Radio follows along. As has become apparent, Silicon Valley also has an enormous influence over the distribution of news, and it similarly filters news delivery in ways favorable to the Democratic Party. It is well accepted that viewpoint discrimination raises the specter that the government may effectively drive certain ideas or viewpoints from a marketplace. But ideological homogeneity in the media or in the channels of information distribution risks repressing certain ideas from the public consciousness just as surely as if access were restricted by the government. To be sure, there are a few notable exceptions to Democratic Party ideological control. Fox News, The New York Post, and The Wall Street Journal's editorial page. It should be sobering for those concerned about news bias that these institutions are controlled by a single man and his son. (coughs) Will a lone holdout remain in what is otherwise a frightening orthodox media culture? After all, there are serious efforts to muzzle Fox News. And although upstart, mainly online conservative networks have emerged in recent years, Their visibility has been decidedly curtailed by social media, either by direct bans or content-based censorship. There can be little question that the overwhelming uniformity of news bias in the United States has an enormous political impact. That was empirically and persuasively demonstrated in Tim Grosskloss's insightful book, Left Turn, How Liberal Media Bias Distorts the American Mind. Professor Grossclose showed the media bias significantly to the left, and this distorted market has the effect, according to Grossclose, of aiding Democratic Party candidates by 8 to 10 percent in a typical election. And now, a decade after the book's publication, the press and the media do not even pretend to be neutral news services. It should be borne in mind that the first step taken by any potential authoritarian or dictatorial regime is to gain control of communications, particularly the delivery of the news. It is fair to conclude, therefore, that one-party control of the press and media is a threat to a viable democracy. It may even give rise to countervailing extremism. The First Amendment guarantees a free press to foster a vibrant trade in ideas. But a biased press can distort the marketplace. And when the media has proven its willingness, if not eagerness, to so distort, it is a profound mistake to stand by unjustified legal rules that serve only to enhance the press's power. Aware of the shock this opinion will come to the media, the shock will be that Judge Silberman actually told the truth. Judge Silberman's les majesty here was to write what everyone who is honest knows. When he was president, Thomas Jefferson wrote, quote, nothing can now be believed that is seen in a newspaper. Truth itself becomes suspicious by being put into that polluted vehicle. The man who never looks into a newspaper is better informed than he who reads them, inasmuch as he who knows nothing is nearer to the truth than he whose mind is filled with falsehoods and errors. Charles Kessler has written, Today, the press includes not only newspapers, but radio and television networks, Internet sites, and anyone with a cell phone 
and a Twitter handle. Gone are the days when the three national TV networks, along with the New York Times and Washington Post, who between them furnished most of the network's copy, enjoyed a kind of sacerdotal authority in our politics. That authority came partly for technological reasons, the limits of newspaper distribution and the broadcast spectrum, and partly for ideological ones. Early in the 20th century, journalism began to think of itself as a profession. In the 19th century, most newspapers had been outgrowths of political parties. Now the rising spirit was nonpartisan, independent, and expert, guided by the example of the new social sciences, whether philosophical, historical, or more scientific in approach. Both recipes came from the same university kitchen, so it was common to find enlisted in the same political cause both the earnest, idealistic, progressive social reformers and the cool scientific social inquirers into facts, and nothing but the facts. The new journalism, too, grew up thinking of itself as liberal and objective at the same time. It was objective insofar as it separated facts from values, reporting the facts and relegating the values to the editorial pages. But to be objective or scientific in that way was itself a liberal value. Liberals of almost all stripes were confident that those separated facts would eventually line up together as a history, a meta-fact confirming their own version of progress and hence their own values. Muckraking journalism led naturally to political reform. The front page and the editorial pages were almost always and ultimately in sync. This self-satisfied faith in its own ethics and expertise inspired the mid-century media establishment. Almost most of the old media titans continued to exist, though they never longer they no longer dwelled at their heights. They weighed along with many others through the murky, slow moving mainstream. To their shock, neither technology nor politics has supported their pretensions. President Jefferson suggested that newspapers of his day would be improved if each issue were divided into four sections headed truths, probabilities, possibilities, and lies. He predicted that the first section would be the shortest, truths. It would be an interesting experiment today, too. The First Amendment guarantees the press freedom, not respect. That has to be earned. Thank you, Dr. Kessler. Thank you, Judge Silberman. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This open line Friday, 602-508-0960. Anything you want to talk about? Long week. Anything you want to raise? Any questions you want to ask? We are open for that. Just not medical, legal, or accounting uh, advice. Other than that, the lines are open. Listener SG, following what's going on in uh, our meetings with China... Anthony Blinken, being our Secretary of State, sends in the following. Blinken, winking a nod one night, sailed off in a wooden shoe, sailed on a river of snowflake light straight into a chai stew. 
Blinken and Winken are two little guys, and Nod is a purple head. And the wooden prez that mapped out their skies stumbles at every tread. So shut your lips while China sings of wonderful sights that be, and you shall see our beautiful things as you rock in your snowflake sea. Thus the old Chinese commies, acting as mommies, spanked the diplomats three, and the words that they ate they uttered as hate against their very own land of the free. Flung back in their faces their nonsense of races, they rocked the diplomats three. Blinken, Winken, and Nod. Nicely done, SG. I very much a um, I very much appreciate that. It's uh, it's a pretty sad state when uh, your first major foreign policy effort turns out to be a condemnation of the United States by Chinese communists. But that's what we have here. Joe Biden liked to criticize Donald Trump. Did we ever have, for for bungling foreign policy? Did we have any ever have anything quite like this ever? Where we turn on the cameras, tell the Chinese embarrassing things about them in public, only for them to shoot back at all our problems. And who can blame them? Who can blame them? After all, they're merely parroting, they're merely repeating the very claims that the left has made about America. What with our institutional racism? What with our violent police force? What with our inability to govern our cities? You can't blame them. You blame the Biden administration for writing their talking points and turning on the cameras so that they can do it against us in public and so that the world can see us humiliated by the Chinese in public. Joe Biden's second foray as president into the uh, foreign policy realm. This the former chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee of the Senate. This the former vice president. The first was a bombing attack and moving of troops into and around Syria. Now this. Of course, I'm not even mentioning what we discussed yesterday with Mike McCormick about Joe Biden's being embarrassed by the president of Russia. When the president of Russia invites you to a debate because you called him a murderer and you turn it down, who's that look bad or bad? who's that look good and who's that look bad to? Who's that look good and who's that look bad to? I understand that the Democrats have Russia in their mind a whole bunch and a whole lot. But I believe it's projection, as in when Nancy Pelosi says, for Donald Trump, all roads lead to Russia. I I, I don't know why they keep saying that. I don't know why they kept saying that. And I don't know why Joe Biden picked an unnecessary fight with Vladimir Putin. There's really only one reason that I can think of that he would say that that Vladimir Putin is a killer to George Stephanopoulos and let the world take that on. And I'm sorry to say this. I really am. But we have a president who's not with it. We have a president who's simply not with it. Now, I understand that people can stumble and fall verbally, physically, 
as Joe Biden did today on the stairwell going up to the um, Air Force One. No doubt you've seen the video of this. People are saying, well, Jerry Ford fell down the stairs and Air Force One. Well, it was raining. He was holding an umbrella and leading his wife. It was a little bit different. And I don't think anyone questioned Jerry Ford's faculties. And I understand people on Twitter saying it's unseemly for conservatives or Republicans to make, be making fun of Joe Biden's fall. But that's not really what we're doing here. It's not really what we're doing. First of all, do you recall a 24-hour media news cycle because Donald Trump needed two hands to take a drink of water after shaking hands of the West Point graduate cadets for over an hour in the sun? Do you remember that? He shook each and every individual hand of the graduating West Point class. And the media made fun of him for walking a little wobbly afterwards and for needing two hands to drink a glass of water. But guess what? It wasn't just the media that made fun of Donald Trump and questioned his abilities, his physical acuities. Guess who else did? Bill, take a guess. Joe Biden. Joe Biden said on ABC News, look at how Trump steps and look at how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and how he stumbles down ramps. Okay? That was Joe Biden. Shall I quote him again? Look at how Trump steps and look at how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and how he stumbles down ramps. Okay? Well, Joe Biden fell up the ramp today and not once. Again, is it the worst thing in the world? Can people take a stumble here and there and again? Yes, of course. But what we're, what we're pointing out here is that's an unusual fall first of all, and it's an unusual fall to repeat twice. And what we're saying here to the left and to the Democratic Party is we had serious questions about your guys' abilities and agilities and acuities for several months. You told us there was nothing to worry about. You told us there was nothing to worry about. That's what we're pointing out here. Because I think we were right and you were wrong. I have never heard of a president waiting this long to give a press conference, nor have I heard of a president announcing 10 days in advance that that would be his day of press conference. You know why they announced it 10 days in advance next Thursday? Do you know why? To stop the story that he hasn't given one. I think he has a little more preparing to do. Open line Friday, 602-508-0960. There is a lot, and we will do it together. Die. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I came in too hot. I came in, I came in hot. It happens. Yeah, sorry. Should we start over? Normally I'll say, yeah, a little Bellamy Brothers there for you on this fine Friday afternoon, giving my producer a chance to actually turn my mic on.
That's how we do it around here in America. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Boy, I'll tell you, there's, uh, there are ugly truths and kind, beautiful facts. And um, sometimes ugly facts can kill even uglier truths. Narratives that we try and perpetuate to take hold. The anti-Asian hate crimes narrative is flying high. Arizona Republic had a story on it today. The president of ASU just sent out a letter to the public how it won't be tolerated. Did anyone think it was being tolerated or it would be tolerated? I've done this with you over the last two days, and I'll do it again. Show me the federal statistics on this. Show me an independent report that shows that there is an increase in anti-Asian bias, hate crimes or bias. I will be the first to defend them. I have defended the Asian American community on a lot of different fronts, and I love the Asian American community. I just happen to. I happen to. I have had uh, ties to it in every city I've ever lived. And I was complaining in 1992 when their stores were attacked in the Rodney King riots in Los Angeles, and no one seemed to give a damn. I have sided with every single lawsuit I know of on behalf of Asian Americans complaining against reverse racism in college admissions. Lawsuits Democrats routinely dismiss as Joe Biden dismissed the one against Yale, upon taking office a month ago, his Department of Justice dropped the side of the suit on behalf of Asian American students that Donald Trump's Department of Justice sided with. This anti-Asian bias narrative comes from an organization that was founded last year, and we just don't know very much about it. We just don't. Um, it's an organization that uh, tells us there were 3,800 anti-Asian incidents last year. When you go to that report, by the way, if you want to know what the federal statistics are, they're about 158. So you wonder how you get a differential between a think tank policy organization that's saying there were 3,800 when the federal government finds 158. 158 too many, of course, but 158 nonetheless. And then you read the report. 20%, as I said, is from shunning. So over 700 of these incidents are shunning, whatever that is. And as I say, I don't even know how you tell you're being shunned when you're behind a mask. Yes, Jack Nicholson movie, The Shunning. And 68% of the incidents are verbal. And I don't even know what that can possibly mean, frankly. I don't. I mean, I can guess. But we're not talking about serious hate crime at this point. And I would like to know what these verbal threats are, what these verbal incidents are. Because I can imagine a lot of them take place at the university level and come from the left. Not because Donald Trump talked about a Wuhan or China virus any more than any other president talked about a Spanish flu or Zika or MERS or Lyme disease leading to violence against people from Spain 
or Africa or Lyme, Connecticut. I just have a hard time seeing it. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't think the hate crime statistics will bear out unless they're doctored with. But we're going to pay a close attention to it. So, yes, we stand against any and all anti-Asian bias as much as we stand against any and all bias against any group, of course. To bigotry, no sanction, George Washington said. Of course. But let's not invent it as a battering ram against a former president who they just cannot seem to let go of. Boy, staying power? Aristotle said power is the ability to be and make things be. If he were alive today, he'd say the ability to be makes things be and stay relevant even when you do nothing. 602-508-0960. Keith will come right to you and everyone else. We have lots of room. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I will not take responsibility for coming in late or exiting the, the, exiting the uh, segment early when my producer is the one who's clipping my wings. Things could be better, Lloyd. Things could be a whole lot better. Thank you. Speaking of the shunning. 602-508-0960. Keith is in Atlanta. Hello, Keith. How you doing, Seth? I'm doing fine. Happy Friday. Uh, happy Friday. Hey. You um, didn't sound to that. That's not happiness. Well, I've been much happier. Probably in days of Trump. I mean, right now, happiness is kind of tempered, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Seth. You're fine. Your um, country isn't. That's what Dennis Prager says. Right. Here, Here's... The thing with um, – it's true Biden is not with it, and he could easily say Russia's a problem. His handlers are telling him, and he's just a parrot. And the truth of the matter is China is the, is the threat, and um, I do think China has so much influence in the Democrat Party that they're saying, making Russia the focus. It's just deflection. Everyone remembers the Cold War and how Russia was a threat, and everyone wants to keep bringing this up and deflect the attention of China, which China has so much influence on our Democrat politicians. And I would even say your senator out there, Mark Kelly, who's in China's back pocket, he's got businesses in China, and I believe that they're funneling money to him through those businesses for his campaign and so forth. And I just want to make one more statement. The biggest threat in America is not Russia. It's not China. It's not Iran. It's not radical Islam. And it's not the drug cartels. I think I know what the answer is. Don't say it. Don't say it. It's the USA. Then It's the Democrat Party. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Without them, we could stand up to the world. And, and correct, and, and the enemies of the world would fall in line. But because the Democrat Party is has weakened this country so much over the years, America is a weak nation, and the enemies are growing. And that's just the truth of the matter. We could survive without the Democrat Party, but America cannot survive without conservatism. That's the truth. 
I'm gonna write that down. I like that, Keith. Give it to me one more time. We can survive without the Democratic Party, but America cannot survive without conservatism. Is that it? Exactly right. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah, that's well stated. That's well stated. Blake Masters is a um, businessman here in Tucson. He's the president of the of uh, uh, the Thiel, uh, the Teal Foundation, Peter Teal's foundation. And he just tweeted, here's the week for Biden. President Harris, because Joe Biden called her President Harris yesterday. President Harris, Air Force One stairs, Secretary of State Blinken humiliated by China, Anthony Fauci humiliated by Rand Paul, an uncontrolled immigration surge that reaches new heights, and a massive tax hike announced. It almost seems as if no one is at the steering wheel. Real quick about the the trip on uh, going up Air Force One steps. I don't really jump too much about that because remember when Gerald Ford did that? Well, I'll tell you about he, Gerald Ford. First of all, it was raining. Second of all, he was holding an umbrella to, to protect his wife. Look at the video. Third, it was at the bottom going down. Uh, now, I don't want to make too much of it either, but you combine it. How many people fall up three times? Right. But, I, but I don't want to make too much of it either, quite frankly, because I know he broke his – didn't he have a broken heel or a broken foot or something uh, from tripping over his dog about two week, two months ago? Okay, fine. But when you put it all together, this is not a man who instills confidence of mental or physical agility. And when he was making fun of Donald Trump needed to use ramp rails after shaking hands at West Point, I think it's okay for us to point out that maybe you ought to shut your mouth. Not you. I agree. Joe. He, he's opened up that door. He's got. He made the bed. He's got to sleep in it. Yeah. Exactly no, right. I mean, listen. Anyone can have an injury. I listen. I'm injured. I run. I'm not anywhere near his eight. How how much younger am I than him? Forty years. You know, we all do. We can all do it. It can happen to anyone. Of course, it can. It's just not a very good instilling look with everything else going on, including his gaffes, his ongoing either gaffes or stumblings. Right. He physically stumbles and he verbally stumbles, and that's not a good look for the president of the United States. Yes, and 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 and, and being the leader of the free world, you got to garner the confidence of the world to give them that assurance that we have their back. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like the police. If the police were a bunch of bumbling fools, you feel unstable in that community. But if the police are very confident well-organized, and you just know that they take care of the problems, the world becomes more... Well, this is the thing. So we're engaging in dialogue with China right now. We're taking on Russia verbally, evidently. That's the new thing. And, um, And we're going through an unmitigated disaster on our border. I just think now's the time to be, you know, portraying confidence, seriousness, ability. You know... I'll go back to this, Keith. You remember the famous red line that Barack Obama drew and said if Syria uses chemical weapons, they'll be crossing a red line? And then Syria used chemical weapons, and then we did nothing? You remember that? Right. Yep. The biggest crime to me was not that we did nothing. The biggest crime to me 
was that the Syrians knew we would do nothing and thus used chemical weapons after hearing Barack Obama say that. When the American president's words and abilities do not communicate seriousness and fortitude and strength, that's a terrible position to be in because when we sneeze, the world catches cold. Right. I don't know what more to say about it. I don't. I didn't plan to make that big of a deal of it, except for the fact, and, and, and except for the fact that he was mocking Donald Trump about the same thing about much less. And it comes at a time when it just you watch that. It is not a good looking video. No. The Jerry Ford thing people laughed about, and it created the Saturday Night Live Chevy Chase. Here's an interesting question. That's what that's what I was about. To Here's an interest. Will Saturday Night Live bring back good old Chevy Chase this weekend and have him do a pratfall as if he's Jerry Ford, Joe Biden? That would be clever of Saturday Night Live. So far, they have been hands off, Uncle Joe. If Saturday Night Live brings back Chevy Chase to do a pratfall the way he did Jerry Ford routinely. I'll have a good word to say about Saturday Night Live on Monday. Not that they care. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Can I exit now? Can I? Can I? Can we end the segment now? You're not cutting me off. You're not giving me short shrift. Do you know what shrift is? I'll tell you when we come back. It was my understanding that there would be no math. Weirdly, I have to tell you, the song from this movie, uh, Smokey and the Bandit, has been – the movie Smokey and the Bandit, it's, um, it's come up like six times in the last week to me. The Bader-Meinhof syndrome. Are you familiar with the Bader-Meinhof syndrome? The Bader-Meinhof syndrome is when you haven't thought of something in a long time and all of a sudden everywhere you turn, there it is. By the way, shrift means confession. Make it a short shrift, a short confession, Shakespeare has King Richard uh, saying. Shrift, confession. So we have open line Fridays for all your shrifts, and we'll try not to give you short of it. Mike is in Maricopa. Hi, Mike. I did it. (laughs) You did it? That's my shrift right there, my short confession. Okay, you did it. I like it. Thank you. Okay, short, sweet, hard to beat. Uh, I'd like to talk about the border. I've been listening very intently on your broadcast these last couple of days, or last week, and I enjoy your bumper music. That's always good. And a lot of the people that you have brought up and had them express their ideas and observations, uh, one of the things that you've talked about is the uh, asking people what is their solution uh, to the border. I called in, I think that was back on the 11th, and we discussed quite a bit of about identifying the cartels as an insurgency. Yes, yes, uh, they, yes, as a, yes. Uh, as a terrorist uh, organization, yeah, or an insurgent movement. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well, th- they, they use terroristic tactics, but uh, more broadly, it would be described as an insurgent. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. I'm not sure they have a political motive, which I always associate with terrorism, rightly or wrongly. I think rightly. 
Okay, well, let's see. Uh, isn't terrorism uh, defined as a political, religious, or ideological goal? To yes. Obtain? Yes, using yeah. civilians, but, using but, civilians as 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 fodder, right. or using civilians as the field of battle to affect usually a political change. Political, yes. Usually, well, you usually. know, we we've all heard of about the Reconquista movement that they think that somehow the United States stole uh, the Western. Part of the United States. So I just don't think that's the cartel's interest. I think the cartel's interest is making money by addicting as many people as possible. Mike, I got to take a break. You want to stick around and um, I'll come to you on the other side of the uh, top of the hour news break? I'd like that very much, please. Now you can't say I'm giving you short shrift, can you? I did it. <laughs> Be right back. 602508. 0960 Open Line Fridays. Got a great guest coming in third hour, Scott Pressler. Google him if you don't know who he is. Fascinating young man. We'll be right back.